0: The man on this week's episode of the Tech Emergence podcast has arguably interviewed more futurists than maybe anyone else that I know alive. Uh, Nikola Danilov uh, runs the SingularityWeblog.com, uh, which is one of the first websites you'll run into in sort of the futurism and Singularity space. And while at Tech Emergence, a lot of our in person interviews have focused on executives at companies like. Baidu or Yahoo and other public organizations using artificial intelligence, Nicholas had the pleasure of interviewing a lot of the world's finest futurists. Ray Kurzweil, Werner Vinge, even researchers like Marvin Minsky uh, have been on Nicholas' program. And I speak with him about what sort of trends he's aggregated, if any, around what he thinks are the technologies that are dragging us farthest into sort of a transhuman future. Uh, both in terms of sort of positive transitions and potential threats, as well as uh, any writings or or, uh, research that he's seen on what a better future might be with all of these emerging technologies. It's easier to imagine a dystopia than a utopia. Utopia itself is sort of a turnoff in many regards. But what might be our best shot? Maybe who's pointed in that direction? So I run off these questions and more with Nicola today, someone who's aggregated a lot of insight interviewing many of the world's finest futurists. So I had a lot of fun with this interview. I hope you will as well. Without further ado, Nicola, with the te- uh, the Singularity Weblog. So, Nicola, I know that you've interviewed you know dozens and dozens and dozens of, of you know top experts in the various and sundry uh, corners of emerging technology, and, and with a focus on the singularity, I would assume that after so many episodes, some technologies may have seemed like a more viable near-term transition to... Uh, the singularity, quote-unquote, than, than others. In, in in the course of talking to so many folks, have there been particular uh, branches of technologies that, that for you seem like more viable short-term bridges to a big transition in how we live and experience life, or, or not?
1: Well, Dan, to be uh, honest, let, let me start by saying first that uh, you're kind of putting me on the spot here, because uh, I'm usually the one who's asking those questions. That's true. And... Uh, it's it it takes a particular kind of a courage uh, to actually come up with a prediction or a prognosis of the kind that you're asking me for right now, and the, the, which is the same kind that I'm ask, asking usually about. Yes, yes. Uh, but having said that, uh, let me say that, in my opinion, for example, uh, and and that's a that's an educated guess, uh, as much as probably anyone's because of course we're working here with insufficient data and a, a, a huge diversity of opinions but we sure are. As, as far as i'm concerned and, and i can see things uh, there's a few things that stand out for me uh, some of them are for example the development of artificial intelligence on its own so there is people who there are people who think that for example mind uploading may be a path towards uh, the creation of artificial intelligence as Mm -hmm. such. I personally would say that from the position that I am looking at right now, I think that's a much, 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 much further away down the line uh, than the potential of artificial intelligence arising on its own in a variety of different ways. So what could those ways be? one potential way would be uh, what uh, Robert J. Sawyer describes in his trilogy called WWW, yep. uh, which is sort of a emergent uh, artificial intelligence.
0: The internet waking up, more or less, if I'm not mistaken, in that in that yes. particular series. Yes, yep.
1: yes. and, and uh, George Dyson has a book uh, about that too. And those people make predictions that the internet is a very... Uh, phenomenon, uh, which may have some of the ingredients necessary, uh, it's another thing whether it's sufficient, but may have some of the ingredients necessary to potentially uh, either become self-aware or some parts of it may sort of spontaneously uh, kind of coalesce around some kind of a unique new type of intelligence. Yeah. There's also another possibility where. Uh, surrounding uh, so-called evolutionary algorithms which is to say uh, we do not necessarily program uh, the artificial intelligence per se uh, because as you've pointed in some of your fantastic articles uh, that's pretty much a, a losing proposition yeah. uh, because we are un- it's impossible to program every single potential Uh, possibility in life Uh, and so evolutionary algorithms may be perhaps the most uh, reasonable or one of the the most reasonable alternatives uh, on the way to creating artificial intelligence which is to say we create sort of the context and the environment and sort of the rules of the game within which Uh, artificial intelligence can come to be, potentially, and evolve to the point where it can uh, eventually reach and maybe even surpass human level of intelligence. Um, Another uh, potential way of bridging the singularity is the sort of the the merging uh, uh, potentiality, which both Werner Vinge and Ray Kurzweil often talk about. Mm -hmm. And that's basically taking human intelligence and merging it with machine intelligence uh, which we are kind of already doing as you know with our all of our technologies basically doing exactly that the only difference is that the uh, sort of the the delay between uh, the merging of, of the human and and machine intelligence will be minimized to almost zero so it will almost spontaneously or instantaneously be happening and and also the degree to to which this merging uh, will be happening will be taken several order of magnitudes higher than where we are at right now. So. those are three potential options that I see. As I said, I personally am not too optimistic on the mind uploading uh, but the potentiality yep. at this current moment. And that's, again, not to say that we are very close to creating artificial intelligence to begin with uh, in the other previous ways that I just described. But just the way I see it, those are much higher probability if I'm forced to guess. Yep. Rather than uh, having a minor blow. Now, let me also say a couple of other sort of disclaimers here. Yeah, go for uh, it. When we're talking about artificial intelligence or the singularity, uh, there's two basic uh, scenarios as described by Werner Vinge: the so called soft takeoff and the hard takeoff. And many of the experts are kind of divided uh, on, on whether we're likely to have a soft takeoff or a hard takeoff. I personally, I have to say that. So far, I would say that maybe 60 or 70% I'm in the sub, because I just don't see how it's going to happen on the first go without any glitches. I think that we might have uh, artificial intelligences which may fail uh, for a variety of reasons. Uh, and, and it, in other words, I don't believe very much in the. It's not. While well, the hard takeoff scenario is not an impossibility, I would definitely put uh, my educated guess on the side of the soft takeoff, which means multiple attempts and an uh, extended period of time before this uh, materializes. Got
0: it. Yeah, and I did want to clarify that for the folks tuned in, the the difference between the terms. It, it sounds as though the the hard takeoff being, you know, the 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 final electrodes are connected and voila it's alive sort of on on the first go versus finding some little tidbit of what might function as a a kind of awareness over in this corner and maybe it doesn't work so well in these other facets and kind of constructing AGI as a a gradual uh process of, of what'll make it what'll allow it to sustain what are all the elements of intelligence as opposed to finally connecting the dots and and uh and having something gargantuanly intelligent right off the bat, if, if I'm not mistaken on the distinction. Yeah,
1: exactly right, yes. Okay. Yes. And, and and also, I, that's why I also think we're closer to uh, the potentiality of something emerging or evolving in the context of our own technology rather than it being properly programmed by us per se. Yep. Simply because from the current point of view that I have, I don't see many people making huge strides be it with respect to the programming and the things, and that, that may be even like a total uh, impossibility, as I've said previously, yeah. but, but also uh, our ability to even understand our own brains or our own uh, connectome uh, while uh, improving is still barely not even scratching the surface. Yeah. the surface. So I think we're very far away from mind uploading. I think we're very far away from uh, sort of uh, copying the blueprint of the brain and, and creating it into a, an artificial intelligence. Uh, and, and while do- those are definitely not an impossibility, uh, it, it's just the other paths, that I think, right now look shorter than those.
0: Yeah, indeed. And, and, and uh, I know what you mean about the particular kind of courage that it takes to prognosticate. I think, uh, ultimately, yeah. as you'd framed properly, I'm forcing you to guess. <laughs> you, yes. you put it you put it very well. And, and by the way, I no, this is the most friendly kind of coercion possible. I hope you understand. Um, well, it's
1: only fair because I do that to my guests true. all the time, so yeah. it's only fair that someone does it to Finally
0: me. Finally, turn so. the tables. But yeah, I think you know the the best the best that we can do is uh is is sort of you know pull those guesses and ideas. I think it's it's curious from you because. You've had to sift and filter through the, those ideas oftentimes in person with people like Ray Kurzweil, et cetera. and and having to kind of clash all those ideas together in your head, hearing what kind of shakes out the back end in terms of what what's most on your radar, I think is quite curious. Who are the people that you know in terms of the various interviews that that you've done, is there anyone that comes to mind in AI that that sort of got you thinking about that as a more viable path than than others? Um, or is it just really been a, a kind of a gelling of all the various notions and their viabilities and timescales?
1: Well, so uh, in terms of viability, I think it's kind of like a, a point of saturation where after doing, I don't know, 170, 80 interviews on the topic, Ouch. I, I kind of uh, gotten to a point where I have some kind of a broader overview. A- and and intuitively if you will i I can sort of pick and choose the the points and the probabilities based on the, the, the my preparation for each of those interviews and the things that i've discovered and learned during the interviews themselves that have led me to believe and to be where i am right now but uh if if you're kind of looking at uh sort of uh references for uh for your audience yeah, and yeah. yourself about some of the people who have done sort of the heavy lifting, if you will, yep. in the field. Uh, perhaps uh, a, a good starting point to, to lay out the stakes uh, will be uh, James Barrett's Our Final Invention.
0: Oh, so you like James's book?
1: Well, I think uh, in terms of... Uh, Looking forward the stakes of the game that we're playing with artificial intelligence and the potential for uh, negative uh, implications, James has the most thorough, sort of most comprehensive book that I've read so far on the topic. Got it. Um, now, if, if you're more interested in, in the positive end of things, obviously uh, you we cannot omit uh, Rakers, whilst the singularity is near. Yep. Uh, when it comes to actual experts in the field of artificial intelligence who are looking for ways to sort of minimize the negative effects of uh, AI and uh, increase the positive uh, effects of that, perhaps the let me give you a couple of, of other references. Perhaps the most, uh, the best known one is, uh, of course, uh, Nick Bostrom. Yeah, I
0: was going to say, not everybody wants to stomach superintelligence as their intro to AI, but it's certainly a, a right. worthwhile book for the folks that have it in them.
1: Well, that's interesting that you say that because superintelligence, uh, his book is called Superintelligence yep. Past Dangers and Strategies, and, and that's kind of an introductory book. Uh, I, I, it, well, maybe I'm kind of. Uh, you picked here the bias of, of, of expertise a little bit, but uh, you know, people. there's something that's called the curse of knowledge, which is to say when you know something, you cannot unknow it and therefore you presume that others already know it. So yeah. to me, from my point of view, Nick Bostrom books is actually quite introductory. It sort of lays out the land uh, and it's not, it's for the non-expert. So I think it's a good start. But if you are really into the field of AI, Uh, I would recommend uh, Roman Jampolski's latest book uh, that's called Artificial Superintelligence, A Futuristic Approach. Uh, And I think that's probably a little bit more specific, a little bit more expert and scientific uh, in its kind of both uh, aim and its delivery. Uh, And who am I missing here? I I think those are those are those are all good good good, good starting
0: points. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. Roman was a good interview on the on the program here as well. I actually have yet to read his book, but we did chat about some of his his research. I think Bostrom stuff for for clarity's sake, um, in in terms of the, the the philosophical breadth of of sort of the perspective and and maybe the way Bostrom writes uh, at uh, may may not be everybody's cup of tea for. You know a, a nighttime read maybe as as much as james style and the way he lays out his chapters but um but yeah i think it's perfectly i mean in terms of if you're the general educated public i think could pick up super intelligence if uh if they were congenial to it so it's good oh to, yeah and
1: what i'm missing here actually is to say that it helps to actually look outside of the box of of the actual experts in the field and uh read some of the science fiction writers uh who have a huge spectrum of possibilities and diversity scenarios, uh, kind of covered in their work. And I would recommend uh, the work of people such as uh, William Hurtling, for example. Uh, obviously, we can talk about the classics, like uh, the stuff written by Arthur C. Clarke, for example, or Asimov, or uh, something like that. Robert J. Sawyer is fantastic. Yep,
0: he's still around. Uh, he's he's up there in Carl, Canada. Sorry, he's a Canadian like yourself.
1: Oh yeah, he's not not far away from me actually, yeah. yeah. Uh, then we have people such as Cory Doctorow, Charlie Strauss, uh, Car- Carl Schroeder, who is another Canadian. Corey is also Canadian, but he lives in London, uh, England. Uh, and so, science fiction actually can provide uh, an easy way for uh, to, to introduce the topic and to kind of give meat and, and Sinews and tissues and 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 life to embody uh, the all the implications and potentialities related to, to
0: that I agree I think that and we'll talk about as we transition to the last question here but I, I agree I think that fleshing out what these futures look like not just in hard rational terms you know yeah. what what they would imply um, is uh, is a curious way of exploring those futures and potentially grasping some kind of understanding of, of, uh, of their their worth and I know authors like David Brin and, and other folks like Sawyer himself um, yes. really think about that as, as they're writing, you know, what 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 could this future be? What might we be building? And I think that that's important to consider. So that's great to hear some jump off points. And hopefully the audience is, is tuned into something that they haven't heard before. I think that oftentimes the interviews, uh, provide much more homework than they do answers, of course, but that's that's part of the fun, and I think part of the value. So I'm glad to hear your thoughts on that. Speaking of the future and and, and the the work of fiction writers, and sort of fleshing out what those futures might pan out like, it, it's it's uh, it's it's easy to say that, uh, or, or it seems relatively easy to say that the trajectory into whatever our future ends up being, um, a, across whatever chasm to whatever kind of of singularity ish scenario we, we might uh, uh, come to if, if, in fact, that does occur. I mean, it would seem as though a lot of those roads are, are uh, potentially treacherous, You know, whether, whether we're, we're enhancing our own minds, whether we're uploading our own minds, whether we're developing machines that are more intelligent than we are. I know that you often do bring societal and ethical questions to bear with folks, whether they be writers, whether they be researchers, etc. Um, in terms of how we might develop these technologies in a way that, that makes for a, an aggregately beneficial liberating future as opposed to destroying ourselves. Has anybody shed light on that, how we as team humans are going to sort of pull this transition off without horrible stuff happening? Has anybody shed light on, on that topic? Well,
1: basically, uh, I mean, the the sort of the, the, the What is it called it's called the oxford martin school of future studies where dr bostrom uh is the director and and you have other amazing researchers such as stuart Armstrong, uh anders sandberg and and a number of other is devoted to to doing research on on that topic Uh, and so i would refer again to to the work and research of those people and they're particularly interested to existential risks to ranking and prioritizing them and and hopefully diminishing the the probability of each of those. Um, There's also a a new recent uh, think tank that was uh, funded by Elon Musk uh, which is also headed by Nick Bostrom together with uh, Max Tegmark. Yeah Future uh, of Life
0: uh, Institute there.
1: uh, Future Life Institute something like that yeah and and they were the initiators of a couple of uh, important recent petitions uh, with respect to artificial intelligence, the more recent of which was uh, not to arm artificial intelligence yep. and uh, was calling on both governments as well as scientists to not uh, get involved in, in research uh, of arming uh, AI, yep. which which was uh, which is of course very important. Uh, so I, I think uh, those are the, the people I would uh, recommend. Perhaps I can throw in another brand new book that I'm kind of starting to read right now. Yeah, go for it. What are you digging written into? By Michael Anisimov, uh, called "Our Accelerating Future: How Superintelligence, Nanotechnology, and Transhumanism Will Transform the Planet." Michael was formerly associated with uh, the Singularity Institute, which was uh, later renamed Miri Machine yep. Intelligence Research Institute, and has done. Uh, important work uh, for a few years uh, on the topic. So uh, his book is also uh, very interesting and relevant. Um, I, I don't know.
0: Sounds, sounds pessimistic to me. Uh,
1: what what sounds pessimistic? No, no,
0: I'm just saying <laughs> we're talking about risk and how we're going to pull it off. And you're like, man, I uh, I don't know.
1: <laughs> well, the reason why I hesitated here is this okay so I have evolved personally from the view of the singularity as a single and or the most probable potentiality of our future and what do you mean by that so basically I think Carl uh, Schroeder put it best on my show uh, when he said that the singularity is a lens right so if you're a futurist and you're sort of putting forward an attempt to predict the future. Uh, Basically, what you're doing is not predicting the future. What you're doing is laying out future scenarios, and then you're putting certain probability of of the likelihood of each of them occurring. And then as events unfold, you're basically trying to put them on your tree of potential futures and see which one starts to be panning out. As, as you as as expected. Yep. So it's more about laying out all the possibilities and the potentialities and then seeing where the events take you rather than predicting where the events will, will will go. And so in that sense the singularity the way I see it right now, why actually possibility is only one of a variety of future scenarios. As Carl Schroeder said on my show, the singularity is a lens, but it's very useful if you're a photographer, to have more than one lens and to switch uh, your lens every once in a while, especially when it comes to the future, uh, and 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 therefore I think we should be able to consider scenarios that go beyond uh, the singularity or or sort of supersede it altogether.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I, I think that I think that there's a, there's certainly futures where we don't. Get there, you know. I, I think it would be borderline ridiculous to to assume uh, that it would have to happen or have to happen in any particular way, um, or, or or even that it would necessarily be the the be all and end all. Are are you mentioning that you'll oft consider what is beyond it, or, or or in in terms of your the development of your own thought? Where where has that then taken you? This lens switching you refer to?
1: So so there's two things. Okay, so so on the one hand. the the sort of the classic Kurtzwellian uh, sort of teleological evolution uh, that he goes through his epochs in his book, uh, starting with, let's say, dumb universe from the Big Bang onwards and, you know, the formation of planets, single cell uh, organisms, multi-cell organisms, you know, intelligent, uh, some kind of life, then intelligent life, then more intelligent but still biological life and then super intelligent but technological life there's this kind of a teleological evolutionary progression from less intelligence to more intelligence and the ultimate stage of, of this is you know of course We go to sort of the, the moment where the universe wakes up. Yep. and and oh, There's no more dumb matter and we, we live in sort of the giant Computromium or Matryoshka brains and so on so that's one way of seeing the future, it's very teleological and it's very kind of easy and straightforward and convenient going from less intelligence to more intelligence. Yep. I used to embrace that a couple of years ago. Now I've started to, to see that from an evolutionary point of view, for example, I don't see the trend from less intelligence to more intelligence. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Hmm. We don't necessarily... Look at the bacteria, for example. We may be smarter as individuals than bacteria, but we are not necessarily more evolved than a bacteria. In other words, not all evolutionary paths lead to greater rather than lesser intelligence. In fact, you can find a number of uh, uh, organisms which had de-evolved uh, brains and lost them in, uh, as they have evolved uh, forward into the future. I mean having a brain is very expensive it requires lots of energy to maintain it's kind of bulky uh it requires very specific uh kind of uh small spectrum of, of perfect uh physiological conditions to sustain it going yeah uh, and so it comes at a high price and the benefits may or may not be necessarily clear there so for example what you're losing at the individual level of intelligence, you might be able to make up at the collective level of intelligence. So, individually, I may be smarter than bacteria, but bacteria is no less evolved than me, and collectively, they're able to adapt to, for example, penicillin or other antibiotics that we use to wage warfare on them very successfully. Uh, And uh, if you look at uh, other examples like bees or termites and so on, each of those individuals doesn't possess much intelligence but for example termites are able to create amazing architectural uh, stuff with their uh, uh anthills and stuff like that uh, at the collective level and, and it's kind of very weird how you can sort of take intelligence from the individual level and push it one level up to the collect if you if you know what i mean Yeah, yeah and so I have started to see that there is not necessarily such a straightforward teleological progression from less to more intelligence, that there is many paths of development. So, for example, in the future, we one potential future scenario is that we might be able to uh, build spaceships the way ants build anthills, and that doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to have to have a singularity and or greater intelligence as individuals but there could be certain conditions which provide a rise in the collective level of intelligence of our species, and therefore collectively we might be able to accomplish things which individually we're not capable of doing.
0: Huh, okay, so, and, and, and so this is just alternative lenses of the farther future that exactly. don't necessarily imply... Now, might this, might this imply some... Lower level of human augmentation, might this imply none at all? Just better collaboration through one way, shape, or form. What what were you thinking there?
1: Well, I to be honest, I haven't quite crystallized my argument here, and it's kind of uh evolving in, in its own as I Indeed. kind of learn and sort of discover uh more ideas on, on on within that realm. But uh evolutionary biology helps a lot uh, uh for this. Um uh, Richard Dawkins' book, The Selfish Gene, helps a lot. And, for example, th- there's an argument that he makes that, uh, you know, we human, our intelligence s- serves only one purpose, and that's not uh, us, but our genes. Yeah, the
0: preservation of our genes, yeah.
1: Exactly. So, uh, and, and so, uh, as Carl Schroeder put it, Intelligence is the uh, intelligence is the passenger and biology is the driver, really, right? Whereas if you read Ray Kurzweil's book, you would have it upside down. You would have it that intelligence is the driver and biology is the passenger, and you have this evolution from less to more. Yeah,
0: as if as if intelligence is this underlying you know force, Star Wars style that that makes those bacterium become multicellular organisms and. Makes you know it's it sort of sort of almost as if it is it is the underlying inevitability that that is sort of pushing everything forward as opposed to you know biology really being the cause of intelligence and 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 uh, it sounds as though you're you're considering sort of the the flip flop thereof of what Kurzweil's argument was.
1: Absolutely, and and that's only one of the possibilities. For there sure. there's a few others, and 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 I think uh, it is important to if you're a futurist or anyone concerned with the future, it's it's absolutely important to look at the singularity and artificial intelligence, which is what I've been doing for the past five or six years, pretty much have been devoting my life to it. But it's also important to look as broadly and widely as possible to all the possibilities. And you should be very careful with embracing a single one too tightly or excluding uh, potentialities too easily.
0: I think so and and maybe as a as a closing note uh, um that's why I and probably why you are interested in the perspective of so many different people I think that if we were ever Absolutely. to to ossify a particular perspective optimistic pessimistic uh yeah. you know intelligence driving biology driving wouldn't wouldn't that be the same sort of silly dogma that that us schmancy enlightened uh first world folks like to say that we rail against in the first place. And I think that hopefully we all remain aware enough to, to flesh out the possibilities that might be best and maybe avoid those that might not be. Um, and, and, uh, yeah, and
1: and let me throw in something else here, which is where and why I'm always so concerned with also ethics, right? Because uh, ethics, technology in its own right is amoral. For sure. But, but what we uh, use it for, how we apply it, is a moral choice. It's a moral, right? And and that's why it's so very important to be cognizant of the implications of, a, of our actions, of the choices that we make, and the fact that those are ethical choices that actually, in the context of the 21st century, may uh, push us towards extinction and or, as Carl Sagan put it, uh, populating the universe. Uh, and, and so that's why we should not forget uh
0: the importance of ethics i think no and 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 man i mean i i think that we're the aren't these the ultimate questions i mean if it is sentience and consciousness and intelligence that that holds moral weight isn't the creation and expansion of that and leveraging of that in whatever direction it goes isn't isn't that the ultimate shebang ethically um you know and and and, uh shucks uh hopefully there's a a lot more ardent thought about that and folks that you had mentioned like bostrom at, at fhi over at Oxford and whatnot are are uh, luckily sort of bringing some of those conversations to the fore and folks like yourself who are having uh, you know running your your show and program as well. Nikolai, I sincerely appreciate you being. I'm glad I got to shake a little ramble out of you by the way, and go off topic. I always it's, it's always a nice little uh, little fist pump to get in there when someone gets excited about something and goes off in their own direction. That's always most interesting for me, but I hope everybody too didn't glean a lot from this, and, and I really appreciate you being here on Tech Emergence Day.
1: Thanks very much, Dan. It was my pleasure.
0: Well, that wraps up today's episode here on the Tech Emergence Podcast, and thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to stay in touch with our latest interviews with C-level executives, top researchers and thinkers in the domains of AI and the intersection of technology and intelligence, then make sure to subscribe here on iTunes. Or visit us on our main website at techemergence.com, where you can see all of our interviews broken down by category, as well as articles, news, market research, and trends in artificial intelligence. If you found this episode particularly thought-provoking, feel free to leave your thoughts in a review here on iTunes, or you can feel free to reach out to us at our main website. Thanks, as always, for tuning in, and I'll catch you next week.